Promo Kitchen is a nonprofit organization committed to the advancement of the promotional products industry through education and mentorship. This edition of the PK Podcast was supported by Essent. As the leading provider of business management and commerce solutions in the promotional products industry, Essent makes managing a promotional products business easier. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Promo Kitchen Podcast. If you are a new listener, the PK Podcast is a community-inspired conversation featuring guest suppliers, distributors, and service providers discussing insights into the $20 billion promotional products business. My name is Mark Graham, CEO of Right Sleeve and Common Skew, and I'm joined by my good friend and co-host Brad White, VP Sales at Boundless Network. On today's show, we welcome Ronnie Wright, VP Sales at The Book Company, and perhaps one of the most recognizable people in our industry. Many of you likely know Ronnie because of her infectious personality, boundless creativity, and perhaps because of that smile that could light up a dark room. Ronnie has been in the promotional products industry since the mid-80s when she was with catalog producer Impact. In the early 2000s, she tried her hand on the distributor side, and then in 2004, she shifted gears and moved to the supplier company, The Book Company. Ronnie has served on the PPAI board of directors, and she's a tireless advocate for the promotional products industry. Ronnie... It's amazing to have you on the program today. Welcome. Wow, are the lights on? The lights are on. They're bright where I am here in Toronto. <laughs> well, thank you for that. I appreciate that wonderful introduction. I'm even smiling. Well, there you go. Well, why don't we start off, Ronnie? I know that any introduction doesn't really do the person true justice because I know that your journey in the promotional products industry has been nuanced and you've had a lot of really interesting things that you've done. Do you want to provide for the people listening to the podcast a little snippet as to how you got into the business and some of your journey that, that you've taken uh, up until now? Sure. I'd love to talk a little bit about my personal journey and how I've entered this business. I think we all have unusual stories when it comes to how we landed in the promotional products industry. And for me, it was a total accident. I had been relocated to Florida. I worked for a jewelry company called Monet. I tried my hand with a t-shirt company called Goodbye Sportswear for many years before blanks were a part of our industry. I worked for an advertising agency. I loved the printing business, and I was calling on different agencies in the Tampa Bay market and ran into a company called Impact. And I met the president of the company at the time, Randy Hosed. Our personality clicked. He said, I have an opportunity for you, and I immediately got into telephone sales, talking to distributors every day. And one of the things that I learned was that I knew nothing about this industry. And here I am trying to sell a great tool, what I thought was a great tool, to people who had no idea who I was. So I started gathering stories about successes with our catalog, and I used other people's successes sort of as my own way to communicate how effective the tools were. And I didn't even realize what I was doing at the time was the third-party documentation, you know, get the people who are experts tell their story, and all of a sudden you have credibility, and that was something I had none of when I first joined the industry. Plus, being a woman, having the name Ronnie was really cool hmm. because people would return my calls, you know, because we didn't have voicemail at the time. They didn't know I was a female calling. So I was able to break in a little bit easier, I think, than some other people. So very grateful for the fact that I quickly figured out that I didn't know everything and needed to call an expert. Ronnie, you said something there that I thought was interesting. Is You said you didn't really realize what were you, you were doing as you started in your journey. 
just little background, Ronnie and I have known each other for a very long time. Ronnie approached me at a trade show. I was a supplier. This is back in the 90s probably. And Ronnie, I would consider now amongst, I have three mentors in my life professionally, and Ronnie's one of them. And what I noticed, Ronnie, about you was that you had this kind of effortless networking ability hmm. that I remember even, I still see it now, and I remember seeing it all those years ago too, where you know, you walk through a room and you would talk to everyone and, and maybe even more importantly, you would always introduce people. Like once I knew you, I knew hundreds of people hmm. because you were always introducing me to people. And getting back to your previous statement, when you're networking like that, is it intentional or is that just you? Where does that come from? And, and can you just talk about, I mean, you're kind of a master networker. Can you just kind of talk about that? Yeah. You know, I think it was survival. For me at the beginning, it was, you know, build up your confidence. You know, I lacked a lot of confidence at the time, and I needed to kind of build up my confidence, so I felt I needed to learn a lot, and I kind of watched. For a while, I, I watched who the players were, who knew each other, and then I just slowly started to get to know one person and the other, so it was very deliberate. I'm shy. I, I know a lot of people find that very hard to believe. <laughs> mm, uh, yes. I really am. I mean, I would walk into a room and I would feel really comfortable just going and sitting and watching the survey. But I knew that I had to close sales. I knew I had to build customers. And I just knew that if I didn't step out of my comfort zone, I wouldn't be successful. So Brad, to answer your question, it was extremely deliberate. And I think that my network has gotten me where I am today because when the book company had approached me, they weren't really known in the industry. So I believe it worked in my favor to be where I am today. Ronnie, you mentioned, you, you mentioned, you talk about confidence and you talk about getting outside of your comfort zone and, and we've certainly mined this theme from a sales perspective on this podcast over the last little while and I'm really interested you know, maybe this is a selfish question because as someone who manages salespeople in my day-to-day, -day, I hear people who struggle with getting outside their comfort zones each and every day. And that's a really tricky thing to encourage a salesperson to get out of because no one, no one likes to be outside their comfort zone. What steps, like what worked for you in terms of, you, you describe yourself as being shy and nervous around in these social situations. Like, what steps do you go through to get outside your comfort zone? Because it's obviously really worked for you well. So I'm curious about that. You know, what works for me may not work for everyone. You know, I believe everybody has a different trigger to motivate them to step out. There is something. I believe there is something. If there is the drive and the determination, there is something to kick them over. Sometimes it takes a while to start. Mm. Uh, figuring out what that was. For me, what happened was I got involved with a group called the Young Executives of Specialty Advertising. Hmm. And that group was a social group. It was supposed to be, although it expanded well beyond, uh, for industry professionals under the age of 40. I got on the board. I was involved in helping to make decisions and being creative, coming up with ways that we could interact. So I sort of threw myself in the fray with other people who appeared to me to have all the confidence in the world. And I got tapped on the shoulder to start speaking, to come to facilitator training school. Mm. And to be honest, to 
speak in front of people you greatly respect was so intimidating to me. So my first presentation, I attached myself to another amazing industry person. Her name is Pat Kane. She's no longer in the business, but she had been a teacher. She was very comfortable in the uh, presenting, uh, facilitating format. I kind of hitched myself up to her, and we did a program called, I think it was about networking, actually, at the time. And I remember one part for me was to talk about reaching for the stars, that if you felt that there was something you wanted to accomplish, the only person that stood in the way was you. And I remember we were in a circle. We did our program very differently than we do today. There were no you know, chairs set up with a stage and a microphone. We had a circle. And I walked up to a gentleman, and I took his hand, and I looked at his eyes, and I said, all of us can be the change. And about a year later, he tracked me down at a trade show, and he grabbed a hold of me and said, you changed my life. Hmm. And I went, whoa, how could I have done that? He says, you made it okay for me to believe in myself, and I have to thank you for that. So I thought, wow, you know, that's pretty powerful stuff. And I, I got the kind of, I don't even want to say teaching bug, but I was willing to step up in front of a room and do what a lot of people are really afraid to do, even though it terrified me. And the other thing I did was before I spoke, I, you know, Brad talked about walk the room. That was my way of calming down. I, I introduced myself to everyone. I found out a little bit about them. So when I was speaking, I felt like the group already knew a little bit about me. Yeah. And I always willing to talk about myself. You know, I, I made it very real you know, and very personal. So that was pretty powerful for me. I'm still nervous when I do my presentations. I have this little thing in the back of my head saying, can you be better? Can you be better? Are you good enough? Can you, is there anything that you can do to make this stronger, more powerful? So, you know, as far as getting people to step out of their comfort zone, sometimes it's a little window and you just encourage them to crack it open a little bit more and to step out. And for me, it was the facilitation that really was the trigger. Hmm. You know, Ronnie, and you and I have talked about this, some of the education classes that you do, I went to one of your time management sessions, mm -hmm. yep. and even in that one you were talking about how networking can help yep. someone save time. Yep. Mm -hmm. Right, because instead of having to search around or not know where to find something or whatnot, that you can actually go out and you know dive into your network and and save a lot of time. But another thing I know that you spoke about probably earlier than other people, and this is going to sound crazy in today's age, but you were a big proponent for email back when was. there wasn't email, <laughs> and I know that that sounds crazy, but kids at home. This was not, was not that long ago. I mean, you look back 20 years, 1994, people were just starting to get on email. So talk about what it was like to bring a new concept and a digital concept and, and bringing that element into the industry. What kind of reaction did you get and, and what was that like? People thought I was crazy. They really did. They <laughs> thought I was crazy, but they were curious. I remember my first educational session about the internet and email at Expo. The room was packed to capacity, and it was a 7 o'clock in the morning session, and there had been an event the night before. So I assumed that maybe there would be a handful of people. The entire room was filled, 
only one person in the room when you ask the question who has email raised their hand. So hmm. you felt the wind as everyone, you know, at the same time turned around. Hmm. And we tend to not like change as human beings and as an industry. We were very hesitant. Why do we need this? We have voicemail. We have fax machines. You know, why do we need another layer? And for me, it was another tool that was coming whether we liked it or not. And I felt that as marketing professionals, it was important for us to know about these tools. So I embarked on a crusade. I went from regional to regional, and I did full-day presentations. We talked about the language. We talked about how to use it. And people actually followed me from place to place, too, because they knew it was going to take a while for the whole thing to, to click. Um, but once it did click, exponentially, you know, it grew. And it even went so far beyond me because I was never really technical. I talked about it more as a, as a lay person. But it was really incredible to be part of that change. And we talked about the superhighway. And I said, I remember the first time when I got online, I expected these images to come shooting out at me. And yet my computer moved slower than the last. I didn't quite understand it. So we laughed about it. We crafted a language and a way to communicate this new thing to ourselves and, and to people that we worked with. So, yeah, that was in the mid-'90s. It was pretty wild. It was, you know, my brother is the one that I kind of looked to. He's always been involved in forecasting and economics. And I remember when I had an opportunity to come and work in this new environment, and he said, you know, go for it. You know, there's nothing better than reinventing yourself and, again, stepping outside your comfort zone to try something new. And I'm really glad I did. Ronnie, as someone that was involved in selling technology or someone that's involved in selling books or at the end of the day, any good salesperson is involved in selling change, regardless of what your product is. Continuing on this discussion about comfort zones and bringing customers along, what do you find is the magic bullet for getting a customer over the finish line? You know, whether it's encouraging them to consider a new supplier for journals or to consider books as a new way to sell advertising specialties or to hop on email as a more efficient way to communicate with suppliers. You talked a lot in that last segment there about how you've often been involved in selling things to people before they're mass market or before they're really ready for them. And I'm sure that you've dealt with a ton of rejection as a result of that, but you've also got people over the finish line. Like what, what does it take to sell change in terms of persistence and number of contact points? And what's the final thing that gets them over the finish line before you've, before hopefully you've given up? <laughs> before I answer that question is, thank you for pointing that out, Mark. I really hadn't realized that I stepped out of the norm and, and went for the more difficult sale every time. But, you know, looking back, I, I have to say that's pretty consistent to where I've been. I guess maybe it's the challenge, you know, um, I think it goes back to my childhood where, uh, you know, I have a brother and it was all about his success and I always had to prove myself and I think I'm sort of still doing that now. Mm. I, I think I tend to be willing to step into places that maybe other people wouldn't. But what's really cool about looking back at what I've done is I've loved everything I've been involved with. So as far as the Internet goes, I thought that was the coolest thing since sliced bread. I guess I was passionate about it. I, I, I made it a part of who I was. The same with catalogs. I saw great success in people that I convinced to buy 
And then her stories about how they were able to go on vacation and send their kids to college to get a second home because of the sales that they generated with my help. Mm. Um, it kind of goes to your head a little bit. Uh, as far as books go, yeah, they're not necessarily high on people's requested lists, but as far as a successful tool and a promotional product, I see the results. So at the beginning, it's kind of a leap of faith. I sort of have this instinct. I, I guess that's really all I, I can call it, an instinct for believing in something I feel has legs. Mm. And I have to figure out how to tell a story around that to convince myself and those around me that they should try it. So I guess there's a trust. I guess there is a good story. This, I'm going to sidetrack here for just a quick second before I finish. There's a wonderful book called Made to Stick. And when I read that book, mm. it yeah. kind of pulled it all together for me because they talk about making things simple, unexpected, you know, concrete and concise, credible, emotional, and tell a story. Yep. And you want people to remember what you're saying, or if not, they can't remember what you're saying. They want you, you want them to remember you. So I, I've, I've kind of taken that path and built a way or figured out a way to get people to trust me, take a deep breath, take a leap of faith, try me, and then once there's success, then it's easy to replicate that. You know, you can replicate that with the individual. You can take their story and communicate their story moving forward as part of your, your own. I love that answer. It's great. Thank hey, Ronnie. <laughs> yeah. You know what's going to be funny is when you listen back to this, because I've been sitting here taking some notes, is that you said that by nature you're a little bit shy, but you're kind of known as this master networker. You said that you are untechnical, yet you were instrumental in bringing email and, and, and web to the masses. And so you've had to kind of force some change in, in yourself and in, in a little bit in, in your world around you too. And it's just it's contradictory. It's interesting. You know, another thing that I think where you force some, some change or, or at least just, just part of a change is is that when you started in this business, I don't believe that women had a, a huge role to play. And I'm sure you've seen a ton of differences in that respect. And I don't know if that really gets talked about very often, but I'm sure if, if there are some young ladies that are listening to this, I think it would be good for them to kind of hear what it was like for you. It was hard at the beginning. It was very, very difficult, especially I started on the telephone. Um, I had a very thick New York accent. If we sat down and drank a glass of wine, I'm sure it would come out quickly. But I noticed when I was on the phone, people in the South just didn't get me. So someone suggested that I listen to the news and round out how I speak. So I become more, I don't even know quite the word, um, less regionally sounding. Uh, so I thought that was a, a great suggestion and a big help. But being a woman was a challenge. Mostly men in this business, there was a, a network of, of, of individuals that were, I don't want to say good old boys, but they knew each other. I had some challenges meeting men in a trade show environment uh, that were a little awkward and uncomfortable at times. I'll leave it at that. So, yeah, I, it, it was hard, but I had to take care of myself. I had to be successful, so I had to kind of figure out how to get around that. So I remember getting my MAS, you know, I got my CAS and then I got my MAS. And all of a sudden, there was this group of men 
who would talk to me because I had gotten my certification. And I thought, okay, there's something to be had here. So I would constantly try to find out from them, you know, what made them tick, what made them successful. Um, as opposed to trying to impose myself on them, I sort of became a chameleon and, and tried to fit in into their world. Um, now when I look at the space of the industry and I see so many more women, I root for their success. And I also have mentored a, a lot of women as well just to remind them that they should keep going and to stick with their instincts and uh, move forward. But at the same time, I also find a lot of women, especially on the volunteer side of our industry, they're reluctant to step out of their business world and, and also you know, start to volunteer. There have been some that have done that, but I wish there were more. Hmm. Um, I wish... I wish I saw more women uh, taking that step, but I understand, you know, a, a lot of women still uh, have traditional, you know, roles at home, although that, that changes. I feel very fortunate because I, I have a 50-50 partner, and while I traveled, you know, he really helped raise our, our daughter. I feel very grateful for the way our family worked. But not everyone has that ability to, or, or comfortable in that particular kind of a role. But I'd love to see more and more women. Um, I don't think we have the, the feeling like we used to anymore. Uh, I have to say women have the ability to get good education, have great mentors, whether they be men or women, and I believe equal opportunities today mm -hmm. that I know I didn't have right. 20, 30 years ago. Ronnie, uh, just a quick comment before asking another question that, I think it's really interesting as a business owner, I've had the chance to employ both men and women in, in the course of my 15 plus years in this industry. And I've always found, at least within my organization, that women do much better than men. And it's a point right now where 90% of my company is, is, is female oriented. So I just was going to throw that out there. And then just even going, walking the shows, whether they're in Canada or in the US, that I always see more women, whereas when I first started in the industry in 97, it certainly felt a little bit more, certainly older and and very male-oriented. And I love the fact that that's changing because I, I, I think that younger salespeople, whether they're both men or women, are just leads to more creativity and more excitement. And I think that's the kind of thing that's really going to bring this industry forward and really change the perception that I think a lot of people have about us. So, Good on you for leading the charge there, Ronnie, because I think a lot of people look up to you and say, hey, if she, she's someone who is blazing a trail and I identify with her, then I think that's awesome. And but Catherine, you know, my wife, I, loves you as well. So I love Catherine. You know, I think about myself, and I think of myself as being just like everybody else. And if I was able to, I don't want to say blaze a trail, but if, if I've been able to find success and happiness, I think anyone could do it. Now, were there challenges? Was it hard? Did I have tough decisions to make? Absolutely. But at the same time, I'm nobody really special. I just did what I had to do to take care of myself and, and my family. And I, there are a lot of men and women and young people who have such amazing potential. And what I don't like to see is when people don't use it. You know, mm. when they have this energy, when they have this creativity, and they take the easy way. I, 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 I just think people should go for the hard stuff. I don't know. <laughs> 
just my personal feeling. Well, it always works out better if you're if you're successful doing the hard stuff. I mean, I think a lot of people are afraid of failure, but you obviously <laughs> are not one yeah. of those people. <laughs> well, uh, hey. I don't know. Not afraid, but yeah, we all should fail. You know, I think it makes us stronger and makes us better. Let me ask you something, Ronnie. Shifting gears a, a little bit, it was very easy for me to be kind of drawn to you because you're just smart. I think people that are around you have a pretty good understanding that you just seem to know some stuff, and they listen to you and they come to your education sessions. And I remember when you started working for the book company, me thinking, well, that makes total sense. That's a perfect fit. That's awesome. And so as a guy who probably should do more reading than I do, I'm sure we all could, how about some book recommendations, like three or four things that you think people should be reading right now? Hmm. Wow. I love books. I love all different kinds of books. And what's cool is that there's a book for everybody. I mean, there's so many different kinds of books that are out there. I found early in my my personal business career, I tried to read the business stuff, and I found it to be kind of dull. Yeah. And Or if I read it, you know, later than it came out, it just didn't seem to really have much substance to it. But there is an author who I just admire and can make difficult concepts just sound easy, and that's Malcolm Gladwell. So if, if you haven't read any of Malcolm Gladwell's books, put them all on radar. The Tipping Point, Outliers, Link, and the new book that David and Goliath, uh, which is sitting out on my desk, and I haven't gotten to that yet. So great book. And I mentioned earlier Made to Stick. And we actually had one of the authors speak at a PPAI event. He just so connected his concepts with our industry. It's a fantastic book. It's got a bright orange cover. It looks like there's a piece of duct tape on the front cover. And they also wrote a book called Switch, which talks about change and how difficult it is to get people to change. But if you think about it like an elephant, you can't move the elephant. But if you put peanuts down the path where you want it to go, it's very easy to get that elephant to follow. So I, I love uh, I love Made to Stick. That's Chip. And Dan Keith, I love parables, too. I remember them. I remember reading a book called The Ice Cream Maker, and it was about quality and how when you care about what you do, you get the employees to buy in, and then eventually the customers buy in. I love inspirational books like The Simple Truth of Service about Johnny the Bagger, who was had Down syndrome and was able to change what happened in a grocery store that was failing. Radical Leap and Well Done and the Icebergs Melting. I, I love those simple concepts that you can kind of internalize and use as your own motivation for creating your own stories when you need them. And there's, there's so many other books, but it's just some of my favorites. I've been jotting those ones down furiously, Ronnie. And this actually leads me to one of the, uh, just taking a look at the time here in terms of starting to wind down a little bit, although we'll have to prepare for a version two at some point soon. It leads me to an interesting question about the, the segment that you're in, Ronnie, in terms of selling books and how do you operate in a world dominated by Amazon from a book perspective? 
Does Amazon factor into your day-to-day? Are they a sales tool? Do they, do they help or hurt you? Because I must say that as you were mentioning all those books, I was writing them down and I was like, oh, I should order those on Amazon. Now, mind you, I should order them on Amazon if I'm a consumer. Yet, if I was with my distributor hat on, I would then be thinking, oh, well, I should go and suggest these to my customers because they could hand out 500 copies to their top clients. But there, it seems like there's a dichotomy going on there. Is that good or bad? You know, anytime anybody's talking about books, uh, it's good. And we're talking about books more now than ever with the e-books, with what Amazon's done to change the industry. Um, but the difference, or the book industry, I should say, the difference between them and, and us just very generally is they are retailers and yeah. they are wholesale. So yeah. that's the big difference. They get a few copies of all different kinds of books, and we work directly with all the major publishers to get the distributors the right book for the right reason for the right client. And so distributors have options. They could tell us the titles that the clients are purchasing and want to purchase. You know, when we say, well, 25 is the minimum for blank books and 50 for, you know, when we customize them. But... But what we really like to do, and, and the reason why books can be such an effective promotional product, is when you select the right book for the right audience, communicating a very specific message. Mm-hmm. And so we have an amazing team at the book company that tries to understand what the client is trying to communicate with the recipients so that we can roll up our sleeves look through the three million or so titles that are available to us and select the top few that we feel can really make a difference in the life and in the world of that recipient and can change behavior, can change how people perceive, can communicate a very specific message. So the book is really the tool to the communication part of it. We could do that with other traditional promotional products. But a book does it differently because it's published and it's credible. In many cases, it's got a recognized name or brand. So the same marketing attribute is what makes it, you know, so effective. We have that discussion about Amazon a lot where a distributor will say, my client, you know, went to Amazon and, you know, they want to know why their book is $9.99. That's because they have two. And they need 30, and they need them by a specific date, and they need it branded and customized. And Amazon can't meet that kind of criteria. Yep. Um, but it is a challenge, and it is one we, we do address. We've had to actually come to the rescue several times when people had bought at Amazon. Their event comes up, and they don't have what it is that they ordered, and we had to jump in very quickly and try to save the day. We don't like to do that, so we try to educate in advance. But just like anything, you know, any distributor has the challenge of their customer going and searching on the Internet for just about any product we sell nowadays. It's the yeah. value that the salesperson and the distributor brings to the process that's going to make the difference at the end of the day. I know we are winding down as far as time here. And, you know, something I'm curious about, Ronnie, is that you've been in this business for a while now, as have many of us, and yet when I see you at a trade show, you're so energized. And I don't know if it's that you just drink, you know, like a lot of coffee or if <laughs> or or what I always come away noticing after I've seen you that I'm maybe more positive, you know, a little lighter. I feel good. And after having done this for as long as you have, how do you stay energized 
what are you excited about? What are you looking forward to? How do you keep going after it and being so positive and, and energized? Wow, I fooled you, didn't I? No. <laughs> <laughs> you did great. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for that. You know, um, there, there's several answers. I guess there's a, there's a couple of ways for me to answer that. One is I work really hard to be positive, to find something good in everybody, in myself. We run negative tapes all the time. We have to kind of figure out a way to turn them around. I, I try to, I'm getting older. Ugh. Uh, I'm trying to take care of myself physically. I practice yoga every day. I try to eat right. I try to make choices and sleep and all that. And I talk about these things in presentations that I've done, how important it is to take care of the vessel that we need to rely on every single day to stay positive. But I've found a way to love what I do. So when I go to a trade show, I'm really excited. I mean, Doug Greenhut, who's owner and president of the book company, is a visionary, and he had this amazing concept. And I drank the Kool-Aid. I fell in love with this concept. And at times it's frustrating not being able to go hand in hand with the salesperson to close the sale. But I'm excited. I'm excited to meet people that I've gotten to know over the years and to see them at a show and to find out about their successes and to learn about their family. It's really genuine at this point in time because this is my life. You know, I, I've invested a lot of my life and heart and soul in this industry and I'm very passionate about it. And I want people to be successful and I want people to achieve the goals that they want to achieve, whatever they may be. And if there's a little way that I can rub a little light, a little extra light, um, in their light, in their life, wow, thank you. I love that. I, I hope I do that, and I'd like to do more of it. You're great thank at that, you. Ronnie. Don't sit down in your trade show booth. Suppliers, don't sit down <laughs> and don't be on your cell phone. Yeah, yeah. I think, Ronnie, the, you know, the two things that I really take from this that's so simple yet so powerful are encouraging yourself to get outside your comfort zone on a daily basis and number two, the power of positivity. You know, it's, it's, it's funny, Catherine and I, with our three young kids, whenever, you know, one of them is out of sorts or they're grumpy or whatever, we'll, we'll sit them down and say, you know, James or Alexander or Maddie will say, like, you know, you've got a choice every day to either, you know, face the world with a smile or to face it with a frown, right? And they'll be like, yeah, 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 whatever. And then, <laughs> but but it, it, it's interesting how we as individuals, we just have a choice, right? And as salespeople in this industry, you know, we have a choice. Every day that we come in, are we going to be grumpy? Are we going to be intimidated? Are we going to be, you know, nervous about making that cold call? Are we just going to say to heck with it? I'm going to go ahead and do it and learn from the experience. And I, I think that you are, as Brad has said, like such a leader in that area. And so I, I've been taking lots of notes here and I, I really, really appreciate that. But uh, I don't have anything else more to say, at least in this version, Ronnie. But to end it off, we always like to leave it to you as our guest to have the last word. Do you have anything else that you'd like to leave our listeners with? I, I guess the only other thing that I would share is find people you admire and stick around them and let mm. some of that rub off on you. I, I have to say I've been fortunate to meet some amazing people and I learn a lot uh, every single day and, and continue to learn a, a lot. So surround yourself with people you admire and smart people. And then find a way to be remembered, whatever that may be, whether it's smile on your face, whether it's the volunteer work that you do, whether it's business card design that you've created, whatever that is, whatever story, make 
the story that you want yourself to be and stick with it. Find a way to be remembered. Mm. And so that's, that's my last word. That was awesome. Amazing. Well, Ronnie, thank you so much. You, you have humbled Brad White. Because he has nothing else to say. I mean, that's that that is rare. First but, time, uh, <laughs> first time for everything, Mark. But uh, well, Ronnie, thank you so much on behalf of the whole Promo Kitchen community, uh, Brad and myself. It was a real pleasure, and we really look forward to doing this again with you in another time soon. Well, my pleasure. Thank you so much. Absolutely.